What's up, people? How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, listen, I'm so excited that y'all are here tonight, and I'm excited about this next series, too, because I think this next series is the kind of series that maybe unexpectedly can teach us some things about the way that we live our life, some of the ways that we connect with God, and hopefully can awaken us to a whole new way of living in the way that we um, connect with God. So tonight, I want to pray for us, and then after I pray, we're going to jump right in. Would you join me? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for a chance for us to come together and gather in this place and to sing songs to you, God, because you're the only one who's worthy to open up your word and and find truth that's here for us today. I pray that today, God, you would teach us, that you would mold us, you would shape us, would you encourage us as we leave this place tonight. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I've noticed recently as I've gone to movies and watched them like in my house, maybe in the comfort of my own home or gone to the movie theater and watched new movies here and there and everywhere. I've noticed that, that in every single movie that I've seen almost, there's like a common theme, a common plot that shows up throughout each and every one. And it shouldn't be shocking, I guess, but there is this like common plot, a common way the movie flows throughout from beginning to end. And it seems to match other movies that I've seen before as well. And it kind of goes like this. First and foremost, as the movie begins, you find out that there's a problem of some kind. There's some kind of problem, some kind of issue, and it's big, it's overwhelming, it's daunting, and it leaves the audience, those of us, you and I, sitting in the, in the theater or in our home saying, is there any kind of way this problem, this issue, this thing that seems so big could actually be solved? That's how movie, almost every single movie begins. Secondly, in that movie then, there's introduced into the movie, into the story, an unlikely hero. There's somebody who's introduced at the beginning of a movie, you would never think they would actually come through and make some kind of difference. But sure enough, that unlikely hero is the one who shows up and begins to do something incredible as the movie moves on. Third, and lastly, through struggle, overwhelming odds, this unlikely hero actually prevails and makes all things right in the end. Now, isn't this true? Almost every single movie that we watch has these three elements to it. Some kind of issue, some kind of problem, an unlikely hero, and then eventually that unlikely hero comes through, prevails, and makes all things right. Think about every Disney movie you've ever seen, every Pixar movie you've ever seen. Think of every Universal movie, etc. All of these movies has this common thread, this common theme, this common plot from beginning to end, and here's why. It's a winning formula. And the reason I think this is a winning formula is as I hear this plot, this plot seems like one that I've heard a long, long time ago. In fact, when you read through the pages of Scripture, this is the exact same plot that unfolds before us in the story of God and his work within our life. In the same kind of way, in the Bible you have this, this plot that begins with a problem. That problem is sin. That problem is evil. It's affected everybody. It's affected all of creation. Then you have an unlikely hero who shows up. His name is what? Jesus, he's born in a stinky manger. He comes from a place that nothing good ever comes from. You have an unlikely hero who shows up on the scene. He's been promised from a long time ago, and finally he makes it there. And this unlikely hero, as we see through Scripture, actually begins to prevail. He's healing people, he's teaching, and eventually he's crucified and he's killed. But in the very end, what does he do? He rises from the dead, he resurrects, new life comes back, and he makes all things right, and is continuing to make all things right even today, right now. Here's why this doesn't shock me that we see this plot throughout every movie we've ever seen. That's because this story is an old, old story. Disney didn't make this up. Pixar didn't make this up. I believe God made this up. This is an old story because it's been told from the very beginning of time. 
And so during this series, God Afflicts, what we want to look at is that this story is a very old story. And the reason that it rings true to us is because I believe that all truth is God's truth. So no matter what you do in your life, no matter what you come across, if it is in a movie, if it's in a book, if it's in a conversation with a friend, if it's on social media, if you see it anywhere and you look at it and you say, wow, that's truth, that's because that was first God's truth. Someone just discovered it. All truth is God's truth. And so what we're committed to over the next four weeks is looking into some really popular movies that you guys have watched, that I've watched, that we've all watched. And in these movies, trying to find out what are some lessons, what are some truth that we can find here? Not because Disney's discovered it, but because they have pulled something out from a long time ago, this truth that I believe originates with God. So think about it. There's some books that I've read before, and I've read these books. I, I hear this message coming through, and all I can hear is, is God speaking to me in the middle of this book that had nothing to do with God himself. I've sat across the table from people as they said to me, I don't believe in God. I don't believe he exists. All the while using the breath that God has given them to say that. Think about the seasons, summer, fall, winter, spring. You have this story of death and then resurrection to the spring once again to new life. Everywhere you look, this story from the Bible, this plot of this unlikely hero, this Jesus, it shows up everywhere. And it makes sense. He's the origination of all things. And so during this series, God Flicks, we want to look at some of the truth that can be found in some of the most mundane, normal places you can think of. Some movies that you sit down and enjoy all the time maybe could teach us something that we didn't see coming. So tonight, there was this movie that came out in 2016. You probably have never heard of it. It's called Moana. That was a joke. Personally, humble opinion, the best Disney movie that has ever been made. Anyone else? All one of you. Good. This is a great, a great, great movie. And this, this movie, Moana, it begins on this island called what? Anybody know? <laughs> Montanui. Good job. Okay, here we go. Let me just tell you about this movie. 2016, Moana. On the island of Montanui, you have this story begin to unfold about this wonderful tribe of people. And these people who live on this island, they have a leadership structure right now with this chief who's in charge, but he's wanting to hand over the leadership to his daughter named Moana. Good job. You got one right. Good job. Yeah, he wants to hand the leadership over to Moana, and there's a major problem here. Because these people on this island, they're noticing all kinds of stuff happening. Like the fish in the ocean off the island are all dying, and they can't catch any more. The coconuts on the island themselves, they're crumbling and turning to dust. They have major problems going on, they've heard about this evil that is spreading all over the world. Now, they've decided if we stay on this island, if we stay close in with one another, if we can just get Moana to be the leader here, all these stresses, all these issues, all these difficulties, all these problems, we can take care of them and we can figure it out. And so they've decided because of the danger way out there, they've decided we will never leave the reef that is surrounding this island that can protect us. Let's all stay here. Don't go beyond the reef. This troubles Moana, if you know, if you've seen this movie. She has some kind of notion, some kind of draw from the ocean that she can't get over. And so she has this kind of wrestling with her dad about wanting to leave and him saying, you cannot, it is far too dangerous. Now in the movie, she has a grandmother, right? And she's the village crazy lady. So this lady keeps talking to Moana about something that is drawing her to the ocean and she just simply keeps saying, pay attention to this. There's potentially something here. This drawing may actually be your destiny. And so Moana, at the very beginning of this movie, is stuck between her fearful father and then her ambitious grandmother. And so the scene I want to show you first is a scene where her grandmother takes her to a forgotten part of the island to remind her about some of her heritage, some of where she's come from, to awaken her potentially to why she has such a desire to leave the reef. So check out this first scene from Moana. 
So I remember sitting watching this movie with my son for the very first time, and, and he loves this movie. I've probably seen it 400 times. I remember the first time sitting and watching this movie and watching this scene right here, and all I could hear from this scene was, this is probably one of the, one of the best depiction of, of the church in 2018 that I've ever seen. Like, do you realize that our heritage, where we've come from as people who follow Jesus, we come from a bunch of voyagers. We've not come from fearful people. I was just doing some research this week, and you know, in the, in the mid-1800s, the United Methodist Church alone, let alone any other denomination, was killing it. The United Methodist Church was spreading so fast across the United States of America, out west, going with the pioneers, and they were intense, man. They would do anything and go anywhere because they believed this gospel that they had about this person, Jesus, this unlikely hero that was going to make all things right was so important it had to go to everyone, Somewhere along the way, though, just like Moana's tribe, they decided there's too dangerous, there's too much going on out there, it's too fearful, let's just stay here. And so they gathered and stayed on this island and never left again, even though their heritage was they were always voyagers. Somewhere along the way, they determined it was too dangerous. Too dangerous to do anything more about this, let's just stay right here. You see, throughout history, Jesus' followers have always been willing to do whatever it takes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of the most fearless people I know are people who follow Jesus with all that they have. But somewhere along the way, many of us have decided that it's better just to be fearful and, and not talk about him, not share him with anybody else. And if anybody asks, pretend like we have no idea what they're talking about. And in so doing, we have so insulated ourselves that this good news of Jesus is no longer taking over everything around it. But instead, we're keeping it to ourselves, and we decide just to gather on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night. But beyond that, Jesus is not a part of our life. And it's just as tragic for this tribe on this island as it is for us as Christians. It's tragic that this Jesus who has turned the world upside down now has become so comfortable for us. We've become so fearful of the things outside of what we know that we don't want to talk about them. We don't want to take them to anybody else. And here's the problem. It is, in direct, it is in direct opposition to what we are meant to be as Christians. Direct. So even as I look around this room, for some of you, I know you've, had a follow, uh, you've been a follower of Jesus for such a long time. But somewhere along the way, you decided, I'll just stay comfortable with this. I don't want to push the envelope. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to tick anybody off. I'm just going to keep it to myself. But in so doing, there is a world around you that needs the good news of Jesus. That is in desperate need because there is a problem that's presented at the beginning of this movie and the beginning of the Bible, this sin and this evil that we are supposed to be a part of God eradicating and doing away with. But if we stay comfortable, if we're not willing to go outside the reef, we'll never be a part of it. Here's what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6-9 through 9 says. This writer is the writer Paul, writing to a man named Timothy. Now, Timothy is one of those pioneers. He is a voyager. He's taking the good news of the gospel to the known world at that point in time. And so Paul writes in this letter to encourage him because it got difficult. It got hard. He didn't want to continue on, but here's what Paul says to him. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for the spirit, of God gave, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but instead it gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about your Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to live a holy life, not because of anything we have done, 
but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. So I love what Paul says to Timothy here. He's like, listen, first and foremost, you were not given a spirit of fear when you became a follower of Christ. I think he'd say the same thing to us. You were never given a spirit of fear that would cause you to want to stay inside the reef and not go to uncharted waters, to no longer be a voyager. That was not the spirit God has placed inside of you. But instead, the spirit that has been placed inside of you is one of power and love and self-discipline that would cause you to say, no matter what it costs me, no matter how difficult it is, I'm going to go anywhere and everywhere with the truth of this gospel. And so in this movie, Moana is presented with this choice. Do I stay on this island like I've been doing forever? Do I take the leadership my dad wants to give me? Do I just stay here and be comfortable and hope that the darkness and the evil stays way out there where I stay right here comfortable in my reef? Or do I go outside the reef? And I think it's the exact same question that we have here tonight too. Every single day. You as a Christian, especially in America, will you choose just to remain comfortable or will you choose to do something different than many around you? to be a voyager once again, to remember the heritage that you have come from, to go outside the reef to uncharted waters and go make a difference in the world, in word and in deed and action. That's the choice that we're presented with tonight. When I watch this movie, this is all I can hear in my head. Am I gonna play it safe? Am I gonna be a part of what God is trying to do in the world? It's the choice that you and I have. And so in this movie, Moana decides to not go with her father's wishes, but instead he goes, she goes against them, and she goes in search of a demigod named Maui. Now, Maui, by legend, is a shapeshifter. He's incredibly powerful, and he has this hook that can do amazing things. So she sails out into the ocean to find Maui because she believes if she can find Maui, and he can go take this heart of tafiti, this little golden, this little green rock that was stolen and has ticked off everything in creation, Taka especially. If he can get it back there, he can make all things right once again. And she is going outside the reef to try to save her people. She believes this can actually make a difference. So she finds Maui, and she and Maui bravely find his special hook. But the problem is he hasn't had it for so long he can't shapeshift anymore. Major, major issue. So this whole mission seems to be going off the rails. Both she and Maui are incredibly depressed in the middle of the ocean, and they are doomed to suffer the wrath of Taka, they believe, and they believe that she's going to have uh, their heads on a stake, for sure. And so check this, this uh, video out. This is number two. You've been chosen for a reason. You see, Moana is incredibly driven by this, this one thought. Her island is dying. Her, her people will never survive. And so she's driven by this to leave the reef to find Maui. Maui has no interest in being part of this plan. And so they end up here in the middle of the ocean. She says something on this boat right in the middle that is the major shift in the entire movie. Everything changes from this point in time. They have this conversation. Both of them don't feel like they should be a part of this mission. Both of them feel like this is, this is a lost cause. One of them doesn't feel loved. and The other one feels like they're a failure. But on this boat, she walks up to her, him and she says this one thing. And she says to him, you were chosen for a reason. And she feels like she was chosen for a reason also from the ocean, and she has no idea why. But this one simple truth changes the entire movie. And I believe tonight, if we could grab a hold of this one simple truth, it could change our lives and the way that we interact with people and the way we interact with God, the purpose that we feel like we have in our life, and it's this. You were chosen for a reason. 
Maybe some of you here tonight, you don't feel like you're worthy of being chosen by God, and the truth is you're not. None of us are. God didn't choose you because you are particularly amazing. God didn't choose you because you're particularly talented. God chose you because he loves you. God chose you because he wants a people who would be willing to align with him to go outside the reef, believing that when empowered by him, we can make a difference in this world. We could change things. And so just like Moana, for some of us in this room, we're the only ones who believe that. You've got a whole group of friends and they're all just living life. They have no clue that around them there is evil. There is all kinds of sin. But you, you're awake to that. And so you're like Moana, you're wondering, was I chosen for a reason? Is there any a purpose in this at all? Please hear me. You were chosen for a reason and I want to share that reason with you. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And here's what it says. The writer says this in chapter 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Creating in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a really special word in this passage, and it's the word handiwork. This particular word in, in the original Greek, when it was written, this word is actually the word poema. And this Greek word is actually where we get the English word, guess what? Poem. So in the Greek, this word literally means handiwork, workmanship, fiction, story. And so it says, when it says that you are God's handiwork, what that means is that you were chosen for a reason and you were created, you were dreamed up by God, every single one of you. And maybe as you hear that, you're like, Trevor, not me, I'm a mistake. That is not true. God made you for a reason and for a purpose. You are his handiwork. You are his workmanship. You are his poem. You are his story. You are his fiction. He dreamed you up. But the end of that Ephesians passage tells you why. He dreamed you up and he made you because he has good works for you to do that he's planned in advance a long time ago. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but our world is out of control. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of things that are not as they should be. And, and God's plan is that the people that he would choose, people like you and me, would join with him in his good work to be a part of what he's doing in the world to bring hope, to bring rescue, to bring restoration. And if you're willing to be a part of it, he would choose you to be a part of it. And now please hear me. When I look around the world, it is so hard to be like, really, should we keep doing this? It just seems so big. I'm one person. What could I possibly do? That can be so discouraging. There's a story I heard not long ago about this, this man that was walking along the beach in the early morning. And as he's walking along the beach, he saw all these starfish that had washed up on the beach and couldn't make it back to the ocean. He was walking early that morning. He saw far down the beach a little boy that was walking back towards him. And every once in a while, he see this little boy bend down and throw something into the ocean. As he got closer, he realized this boy was grabbing these starfish and throwing them into the ocean. So he got closer. He said, hey, what are you doing? And the little kid said, I'm trying to rescue as many of these starfish as I possibly can. I'm throwing them back in the ocean. And the man looked around and said, listen, you don't understand. There are thousands upon thousands of starfish scattered all along this beach. You can't make really a difference for all of them. And that little boy looked the man in the eyes and he bent down one more time and he picked up one more starfish and he said, but I'm making a difference for this one. And he tossed it back into the ocean. Man, for some of us, this, this job that God has given us, this work that he's given us can feel so daunting, so difficult. There's so much to do. 
But here's what I want to tell you. You've been chosen for a reason, and you can make a difference for just one. Maybe one kind word, one act of service, one decision to go on a mission trip, one decision to obey your parents or love your siblings. There are some simple ways that we can be a part of what God is doing in the world if we would believe he's chosen us for a reason and if we would choose to go outside of the reef. So Maui gets talked into continuing this mission alongside of Moana. They go to where Taka is for this final battle in the entire movie. But in the very end, his hook gets damaged, and he knows one more hit, and he's done. So he bails on Moana, and he flies away as a hawk because he's a shapeshifter. Super cool. Flies away. Now Moana, she's left on this boat all by herself, and she knows the deck, the deck is stacked against her. Like, this is the end. She can't see this thing ending in any kind of way. She's wondering, why did I ever leave the island? Why did I ever go over the reef? Why did I ever believe that I was chosen for some kind of reason? And she has one last reminder that keeps her going, and it comes from an old friend. So here's the last scene in this movie, Moana. So at the very end of this movie, everything seems lost, and all of a sudden she's greeted by her grandmother who's passed away at the beginning of the movie, and she's here talking to her and reminder of some very, very important things. Number one, she's like, do you remember who you are? Like, where you've come from and who you are as a person. And here's the truth. None of us, none of us have what it takes to be a part of God's great plan. I don't, you don't, none of us have what it takes in and of ourselves. But there's a reminder that I want to remind us of that comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, when the Bible says this. Can we go there? There. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I think some of us in our life, we find ourselves in the same kind of place Moana does at the end of this movie. Really, really hopeless. And maybe even today, this, this semester has been so heavy. There's been so much stuff going on. Maybe in your personal life, in your family. It seems so difficult. Maybe you've been wondering, can I continue on? And can I take one more step? Let alone, can I live this Jesus life out anymore? It doesn't seem like it's really that worth it. But just like Moana is encouraged at the end here, I think all of us need some kind of encouragement. One more time to take one more step. 14 years ago, I committed my life to ministering to students. It's all I've ever wanted to do for the past 14 years is make as much difference in as many students as I possibly can. It's why I get up in the morning. It's why I come to work every single day. It's why I pray for all of you every single day. It's like, it's like eating me up. I think about it all of the time. But there are some days where I just don't want to do it anymore. Like there's some days, there's so many disappointments, there's so many things that I'm, that I'm hoping for and praying for and it doesn't happen. There's so many students who I've invested so much time and energy in and it just seems to not really make any kind of difference. And there are some days where I just don't want to do it anymore. But there's a drawer in my office that, that I, I can open up and sometimes I do when I'm feeling this kind of way. And in that drawer, there have been some notes that have come to me from different people, students in the past, parents in the past, folks from the church. And I, and I stick those notes and I, I save them. I print them out sometimes and I put them in that drawer because on the days that I don't want to continue on, those are the things that I go to. It reminds me who I am. 
It reminds me what God has called me to. It reminds me of the spirit power that lives and dwells inside of me to continue on. And sometimes it's only because of those notes going back and looking at what God has used in my life to be a part of. This good work that he's made us for as his poema, his workmanship, his handiwork. Sometimes it's the only reasons that I want to get up and do it again the next day. So I don't know what it is for you, but I want to remind you this. You have a spirit that lives and dwells inside of you. It's where this power comes from. It's hopefully where the desire comes from to continue on each and every day to continue to be a part of the good work of God in this world, believing that Satan does not have the last word and final say. Jesus does. Jesus does. So at the end of this movie, Maui and Moana, miraculously, they beat Taka. They put the heart of Tafiti back. Everything gets made right. But one of my favorite things about the entire movie is when Moana go back, goes back to her island and tells this incredible story, she's like, hey, mom and dad, sorry, I left the reef. I apologize. Like, that was very bad, but thanks for saving the world. And she comes back to the island. They have this conversation. One of the coolest things is because of her inspiration, because of the bravery that she shows, everyone on her islands rediscover the heritage they've come from. Because of one person's bravery, one person's desire to really live, everyone else on the island says, I've forgotten where I've come from too. And I've forgotten who I really am. Here's my end desire and my end dream for everyone in this room. If some of us in this room were to wake up to who we actually are in Christ, the spirit that lives and dwells inside of us, this work that God has for us to do, my hope and my dream would be that you would be an inspiration for someone else who would say, if they can do it, so can I. If they can wake up to who they are, so can I. So tonight, I highly doubt Disney knew that they were ripping off the greatest story that's ever been told when they made Moana but they did. And in this story, in a seemingly insignificant place, just a movie I'm sitting down to watch, I begin to see this truth of the gospel because all truth is God's truth. And when I see truth, I say, yes, yes, I want to live that out. Would you pray with me tonight? Would you bow your, your head and just close your eyes? I don't know who you are or where you've come from today. Maybe, maybe it's been a heavy, heavy week. My encouragement for you tonight is this. You have the spirit of God living and dwelling inside of you. I'm gonna pray for us for just a moment. I wanna encourage you, if maybe tonight you just feel like, you know what, I've been playing games. I've, I've never met, left the reef. I'm just, I'm paralyzed by fear and, I, and I'm ready to not be anymore. With your eyes closed, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you tonight? You're just saying, I don't want to play games anymore. I want, to, I want to really live this Jesus thing. Would you just raise your hand? God, I pray for every person here tonight that by a raising of hands has signified they want, to, they want to live for you, God, really live for you. I pray, Jesus, that you would fill them with the kind of spirit that can only come from you, that would cause them to be able to do it, not because of themselves, but because of the grace of God. I pray, God, that you would make them witnesses, that you would awaken them to voyagers once again, to go outside the reef and make a difference in this world. And I pray they'd be an inspiration to someone else. Lord, we love you tonight. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.